Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. You probably heard every small town song Where you reach the county line But keep driving on to the riverbanks and on the tailgate You've probably been down a lot of dirt roads Turning up that radio with the stars above Watching them lightning bugs Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Dakota Danielle's full band, One Church, Three Bar Town. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hello. Hello, fellow podcasters. Hello. Hi. Hello, podcasters. I really podcasters. <laughs> podcasters. That's it. That's it. That's uh, all we got for today. Yeah. Bye-bye. Um, I was going to say, I really like what she did with that song. I don't know if maybe our listeners remember, but we featured the acoustic version of that back in like the first episodes that we've ever done. And she recently redid that with a full band and kind of rock style. I think she did a few, a, a few songs. She took a few of her old acoustic versions, which are very interesting, and did full rock versions with bands. You know, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Such a such a great line, you know, one church, three bar town. It's kind of the way mine was. I think Dakota's like one of the, um, she's truly a country singer. I see her with Belinda Carlisle and Carly Pierce and mm. in that kind of group, like 
maintaining or keeping the the country thing going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think her abilities as a songwriter are going to help. So, I mean, she consistently has songs that I think are interesting. We had the opportunity to work with her a little bit, and I think her songs are interesting. I think her songs will continue to take her different places. You know, in Nashville in particular, you know, songwriters typically are given a bit of notoriety when they are performing their own songs. Now, somebody might go on to cut it and have a big hit with it on the radio, but you can also have an artist following of your own if you do a good job rendering your songs. You know, So I, I see her as having that kind of career initially driven by the songwriting, and then, then she can step up into the uh, arena of the artist's yeah, she's a good writer and she's a good singer, and, and that's what all yep. I'm saying, you know. Because yep. like, and, and and also she's she doesn't just write those, you know, Nashville songs. They're, they're poignant. A lot of them are like heartfelt, and and she's got that. We'll see later. She wrote this really cool Christmas yeah. song that that to me is up there with like what Loretta Lynn would do, or she's in that kind of school, if you ask me. But yeah, we're gonna ha- we're gonna feature uh, we're gonna feature a Christmas song. Yeah, later. an ori- an original Christmas song that she just wrote at wrote Excellent. and put out. Yeah, I hope she Excellent. gets her due. Speaking of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. S- speaking of that, in my in my ever ending just streaming binge watching of shows. <laughs> so I, I found a new show that I thought might be good. It's called Monarch. Have you heard of this? No, where is it? I think it's on Hulu. It's basically uh, the baby of Nashville. It, it, it's it's with Trace Atkins. Right. And Susan Sarandon, is that the one? Plays like the uh, queen of country who dies in the first episode. It's it's basically a rip, total ripoff of Nashville. And, and that right, Trace, right. And, that, and that Trace Atkins, my bone is, is that Trace Atkins, who actually is a country music star, should know yeah, the business, right? Should know yep. the business. Even his performances in the show are like lame. Like the lip syncing is <laughs> no, no. You gotta watch it. The lip syncing is like off. It's like his guitar playing is like he's in the studio. He doesn't play the guitar, right? He's playing like nothing and he's not playing the right chords and 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 then and, and these singers that sing the songs like they're really like, you know, it's not even close. At least Nashville kind of emulated it kind of cool, I thought. This show is like a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Monarch. I, I feel like I, I mean, saw commercials for that, like leading, because it just came out, right? Like it's brand new. Yeah, it's on 10 episodes and it's almost watchable, you know, but, you know, it's, you know, it's got the, they own the record label, Monarch is the label, and then, and then like, you know, they're, they're up against the, 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 the majors and there's this Well, Nashville rate. had to have its Falcon Crest, I suppose. The Nashville show had to have its bad copy right you're totally right it's like and it, it, but because but because trace atkins actually is a country star you think it would be more authentic it's not these guys who are doing producers you see them like all in and it takes place in austin too and that's the whole difference do you think they know that like it's a little bit more of a farce or is it actually like a serious show no they're trying to be serious no you can tell like because like you know when you're in the studio, right, recording a an acoustic track and the banjo playing, and each each musician in the band is acting as if they're in a, a MTV video, you know, when they're supposed to be recording a serious track, and they're all just like hopping and bopping, and and the drummer's playing right next to the lead vocalist in the same studio, yeah. and, and the guy's got his Pro Tools open, and he's like a 
five feet away and like wearing headphones. <laughs> it's like so cheesily. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think he, in in the classic tradition of singers, like kind of dabbling in acting. I think he's probably just showing up. I mean, he's an he's an authentic artist, uh, and, and so he's probably just showing up and taking the screen time and having fun with it. Right. I lost him when he went on The Apprentice, man. Right, right, of course. I mean, but that that that's something to show up for too, though. You're just in front of people, you know. I could see meatloaf going on it, <laughs> or, 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 or 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 Gary Busey, right? <laughs> or Lou Ferrigno. He was my favorite. Yeah, some of those shows. Actually, some, of the, some of them were kind of cool, like you know, uh, David Cassidy. Uh, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember that one. I was a he got he got he got off the first so the first episode. He and probably then, did. He probably couldn't. Put you, up you know, with you know, it. I'm surprised. No monkeys. None of the monkeys were on it. <laughs> oh man, Ring, Ringo, <laughs> Ringo. Oh jeez. Anyway, so that's my bone. That's so, your bone um, for this week is monarch. It's, it's watchable. So um, anyway, so okay, so I will say my thing. Is there anything to talk about? Well, I was gonna say speaking. <laughs> it it kind of piqued my memory when you were talking about Susan Sarandon because she's from the era that Kirstie Alley is and she unfortunately passed away this week. Yeah, I know very little about her actually. I I recognize because of the media involvement that uh, I didn't know anything about her because, you know, all those years on Cheers and, you know, like her battles with drug addiction and... She was like, she was on a show 30 years ago. And then she did a couple of those movies with Travolta, Look Who's Talking. And then she had a reality show, I think, right? Yeah. The public is so cruel to people because she was pretty when she was young and she got right. heavy. So they always right. like criticize, you know, oh, she got so fat. Like, you know, so what? Shut up. But then know? she did the typical thing of like, yeah, be, be, being uh, compensated by weight loss programs, you know? Yeah, but didn't she also go on Dancing with the Stars? She probably did. Most failed <laughs> media stars do. One of the benefits of doing Dancing with the Stars, I think in the contract, they also offer you a burial program. <laughs> oh, Carl. Because <laughs> once you're on that, you might as well just die then after that show. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll just state publicly right now that my version of hell on earth would be to sit down and watch a complete episode of Dancing with the Stars. That would be as painful to me as anything I've ever experienced in my life. You know what's the worst? I can't believe it's even still on. Because occasionally I'll see on Yahoo the little, like, you know, just excerpts from it. The Masked Singer. What is oh, that? No, I, 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 I like mean- The Masked Singer. Do you? I, <laughs> I can't deal with the judges on that. Like, they, they the annoy the bejesus out of me. What is that? I don't even get that show. Well, it's, ce- it's just celebrities dressing up in random costumes that basically go no, on to compete. Like celebrities is quite the well, stretch. I guess, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like our list and, and beneath most of the time. Yeah, right, but like, right, it's right. just is... I can't see it. It's that ridiculous. Show. It's that's a very bizarre show. Like Bob Barker, do these guys like start out to want to be game show hosts? Pat Sajak, was that his goal in life? Hey, I want to be a game show host. Or do they He's just from like Tennessee, I think. 
But you know what I'm saying? Is, is that a goal to be a game show host? I mean, it's in the entertainment industry, so I think Gene, they were basically started Gene, out as announcers. Gene Rayburn, you know, you know like you know, um, yeah, right. I mean, but if you think about Pat Sajak with Wheel of Fortune, I mean, how many years has it been that he's hosted yeah, it with Vanna like White? Forty and or like, probably, years, probably yeah. the best job in the planet is, is Vanna White. Yeah, White. Yeah, Vanna yeah. White's like, job. There are people that became household names, you know, over those shows when when the shows were on the networks. Uh, Bob Eubanks. I mean, Bob who Eubanks. didn't like Bob Eubanks? That was the uh, Newlywed Game, right? The Newlywed Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck Woolery. Crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, crazy stuff. So uh, I, I guess we truly don't have anything to talk about. We've talked about <laughs> Falcon Crest and Bob Eubanks and uh, the Masked Singer and Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, you know, I, I can pretty much say this is pretty much so far has been the worst episode we've ever done, huh? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, why don't we switch gears and maybe save this episode because we do have a song that we really are excited to hear from Dakota Danielle calling Falling debut. debut calling Falling in Love with Christmas in You. Before we get to her single, we are going to hear from Songs of Love, which is a nonprofit that we featured back in the beginning of the year, but before we hear about them, I also want to let singer-songwriters know that Songs of Love is looking for new singer-songwriters to help them create songs for children in need. So let's hear a little bit about Songs of Love and then we'll get into Dakota's latest single, Falling in Love with Christmas and You. The Songs of Love Foundation is a national nonprofit organization that creates free, personalized, original songs to uplift children and teens currently facing tough medical, physical, or emotional challenges. Each Song of Love is professionally produced with the lyrics containing the child's name and references to all of their favorite activities, things, people, and pets. To learn more about this organization or to request a song for a child in need today, go to their website, which is www.songsoflove.org. Again, that is www.songsoflove.org. I'm falling in love with Christmas, or maybe it's just the feeling, the holly wreath and you and me by the fire. Snow, the mistletoe, the carols and the bells, hot cocoa and candy canes. It took me a while to notice the sweetness of the season, the laughter, the hope, and the cheer. joy now everything has changed it's better than any presents by the tree The fuss over one December day Now those twinkling lights shine different in my eyes Now I wouldn't have any 
nice. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I was going to say, I could totally see that in a Hallmark movie or a Great American Channel movie or whatever they're calling it <laughs> yeah, these or days. One of those, one of yeah. those things they create like yeah. in the middle of the summer and- it sounds timeless already. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's already been, it's already been. I like know? the uh, you know the chimey uh, uh, piano track. You know that helps, right? And the, and the Christmas. I, I, I the remember when bells. we used to make records in in Nashville in the in the nineties and two thousands, and I was I helped co produce numerous records. It was a time honored thing that you did. That typically you made Christmas music in June and July in the studios. And almost everybody would decorate the uh, studios with, uh, you know, Christmas tree and lights. And if you could keep them from buzzing on the control panel, but you would actually decorate the studios with Christmas lights. And it was fun. It was, it was a fun back in the day. What I like about Dakota's song is also it's the originality of it. I mean, it's so hard to like write an original Christmas song that's actually well done. And I think that's probably also what's impressive because like Carl, we're, we're, we're used to like Jingle Bells and uh, Sleigh Ride and like all of the classics that people just keep redoing because they can't come up with original stuff. Or at least they don't try to. So, Well, I think you listen to them with a certain sense of nostalgia, so that helps. And so a new one doesn't have much nostalgia. I think at Christmas songs, you have to use cliche, you know? I mean, I, because it, it's familiar to people. And that's what the holiday is about, is nostalgia and memories and, and familiarity. It is. So, Greg, I do have a question for you then, since Christmas mm-hmm. classics are very nostalgic. How do people get away with like re-recording versions of like the original songs that we are so used to? Once it's been published, once it's been released, you can anybody can record it. Right. Uh, they do that through what's called a compulsory license. So... Yeah, you can, once it's been recorded and released, you can have at it. You can have your version of White Christmas out next week, Nicole. <laughs> Except we can't feature it on the podcast. <laughs> I actually wrote, co-wrote a Christmas song. It was on a record that we made for the Old Farmer's Almanac. It was called Christmas at the Almanac Music Hall. And I will uh, go out on a limb and say that we can feature it between now and Christmas if you guys would like to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. I I know people that own the master and um, my uh, co-writer, unfortunately, is um, has passed away. So I think I could probably deal with the royalties if there were any with his estate. And in the 9420 um, Christmas month, I will be portraying Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't think you need you don't need a lot of help portraying that. (laughs) Carl. Your your mission is we want to hear your So This Is Christmas before December 24th. No. So get to work. It's not happening. Get to work. It's not happening. I'm not going to waste my, my creative power on writing some stupid Christmas What song. if you come up with something incredibly uh, universal and somewhat contemplative? What if you come up with it? Well, the title would be Christmas Has Been Ruined by the Media. (laughs) (laughs) Commercial Christmas 3.0. Christmas has been ruined by the the people. And, um, you know, it's funny. In all serious, though, Christmas, I loved Christmas as a kid. And my mother loved Christmas. She kept it alive. And she would like, um, you know, every day I'd go up to the attic, pull down the box with the tree and the lights, and we do all this. You know, right. we had our, our little thing we did. And when she when she got it, it's it kind of 
it kind of ended a little bit. You know, it, it got good again for a while when my nephews were little. It's kind of you need kids in your life. You have kids in your life, so you have little children. So Christmas is still. I have, I have grandkids now. Yeah. And Nicole has Kenzie, so you still have kids. So it's a kids thing, but when it's just adults, I don't know. It's it's it loses some of its. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, think, man. I think I think it's all about how you look at it. Like I know, as an adult, before we even had like kids, we still made Christmas magical, even when all of the cousins and um, kids grew up. Like we that we all look forward to that, regardless of if there were little kids involved. The whole Santa Claus thing is. One aspect of it, you know. Well, it wasn't even about Santa Claus. It was about like mm-hmm. looking forward to like the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day traditions with like the family and the grandparents and all that came with it and the presents, obviously. But like it was just something that everyone looked forward to because it was the one time of year we all knew we were going to be together and we actually enjoy being together. So, yeah, well, I don't have a lot of people in the family. So it's like it's, we're always together anyway. So it's no yeah. big deal. <laughs> You know, but, but the thing is, for me, I just don't get the connection with all these holidays and, and, and the traditions. Like, I don't get how bunnies and eggs go with, with, with Easter. I don't get how Santa <laughs> Claus and reindeers go with, like, how we connect these ridiculous things with these serious things. Like, Christ is up in heaven going, what, well, how do they celebrate my death with bunnies and eggs? <laughs> and how do they celebrate my birth with fat guys giving out toys? You know, like, I think that's just, that's just like a lot of mythology, right? But. But, I, but the, the idea is that you make those cognitive connections and you make them for year after year after year. So they become familiar to you and they become celebratory, I guess, you know. So, you know, I have little traditions that I've done for years and years and years that were taught to me by the older people in my family. And you get that little pang of nostalgia every time you pull out an ornament that somebody liked and you put it on the tree, you know, you think of that person. It's all interconnected for me. And it's a, it's about fond memories. I hate to say this. I might even cut this out, but I think most people are just full of it. You know, I, I, I think it's like it's all <laughs> fake. I love the, the notion of Christmas. I love it. But I think it's, yeah. it's, it's just not honest. I think the definitive, the definitive narrative about Christmas we've talked about this before, was written by Charles Dickens. I think A Christmas Carol, it says everything you need to know about celebrating the Christmas season and through Scrooge and through Marley and through some of these characters that he's written, you discover the hypocrisy. You discover the sadness and the want and the need that is relevant to a time of year when you don't want to think about those things. So I, I would strongly encourage everybody to go back and and reread A Christmas Carol. It's extraordinary. I love Christmas because I was born in December. You know, so my birthday is like a couple of weeks before Christmas. And Your birthday is ne- actually coming up next week. All right. So so I had this like two week span of like my birthday, Christmas, New Year's. It was the best yeah, part. Yeah, it's, it's a two week celebration. It was right? the best part of the year. You know, like you know, I used to get yeah, presents yeah. galore, and you know, I used to love it. You know, but I love the, I love the winter too myself more than the summer. I, I'm I guess you love maybe I'm wrong, but I think kind of love the season you were born in. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to like the winter. I was scrolling through my phone the other day, right. and I guess it's because we're in December, but either last year or the year before, you had texted us the picture of you dressed as Santa Claus. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I right. love that. 
from Roosevelt Field Mall. We got to put that back up on the web. So we got to put that back up on the web. I was Santa Claus in in Roosevelt Field Mall for two years, ma'am. And uh, (laughs) and I remember you you giving the story of you giving out the candy canes, the red and the green ones. (laughs) (laughs) Passive aggressive Santa Claus. Well, the thing is, there was red and green, right? And everyone wanted the red ones. So, like, when, when the kids were, like, bratty and spoiled and everything, it goes, You get a green here's one. Your, here's your green one. It goes, Where's my, can I have a red one? Nah, sorry, only green. Uh, well, I don't know. In spite of all this, I intend to have a, a wonderful Christmas season and I intend to celebrate from now until January 1st. So, We've already Fala started. La. We've already started celebrating because we had Kenzie's school Christmas program last night, so that kind of kicked oh, things I off. Bet that was good. And I actually, bet that was good. for the fact that it was three and four year olds together, they sang. <laughs> one, two, they sang five songs, and they did phenomenal. Like for the no, that you could actually understand what they were saying, and they all kind of they've been practicing, I guess, for weeks. But it was very inspiring and uplifting to like see these kids just so excited to like sing these songs and they actually were were really good yeah before life's been kicked the shit out of them yeah like, but actually <laughs> carl what spawned well spawned the thought of the green and red candy cans was after the performance when we went to go pick her up in her classroom her teacher had andy's mint candy boxes one was red one was yellow and she's like which one do you want and i was like ask kenzie because i was like i'm not making this decision her teacher's not going to just give me one of those red or green ones kenzie can figure it out and she asked for the red one yeah (laughs) somewhere in the human psyche i think green is not keeping up with red as as far as uh, christmas the prized Christmas. Uh, yeah, red, memory, red right? is always the taste better. Red. <laughs> That's true. I think it is officially time to get on out of this episode. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T W E N T Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. 